Good morning, Connection Point Church. Did you miss me? All right, that's not what I expected. I'm not gonna. I honestly, I thought I would get a little more than that. So, uh, but I don't blame you because we had great uh, preaching for the last three weeks. Amen. I just want to say uh, thank you so much to uh, Megan Williams, to Tafadzwa, to Phil. All of them did a great job. I was very excited about that as I got to spend time really. Uh, just getting a vision for a lot of things by spending some time in Israel uh, with John Williams. And so it was a fantastic time of refreshing uh, for us and just a lot of learning, a lot of information. One of the things that hit me as I was over there in Israel is I, I, I had these moments where I would just be overwhelmed by what God had done in my life. And so uh, it just happened over and over again. I thought about... Uh, the moment we were at the field where David slew Goliath, and we were standing there in this field, and we saw a mountain on this side, a mountain on this side, and I was able in that time just to, you know, to feel what David might have felt as there's just wide open space, and he's there one-on-one with a giant, and in the fear that he would have felt, and it just really impacted me because I thought, you know, when I look at what God has done in my life, he has taken me so far from where I used to be. In my life, I thought about all of the promises that have come true, that Christ has proclaimed in my life, and they've come true, because I was able to sit there and see the place where Christ was given the cross. And I was able to say, just and realize, this really happened. Jesus Christ really took up this cross. He carried it, and then he was crucified. And because of that, there's a power, there's a victory that I've seen in my own life. You know, when I was a teenager, I struggled with depression, I struggled with suicidal thoughts, and I, I, I just look now at my life and I realize what God has done to where I don't struggle the same that I, that I used to struggle. I think about all of the victories God has given me, whether it's a victory over uh, temptations, whether it's sexual temptations, where it's just pride and ego, all of the things that I've struggled with in my past that I knew I would never be able, and I felt in those moments, God, I'm not worthy, I'll never be able to do this, and Just being there, I was able to say, you know what, God, not only it's true, but it's true in my life. I've seen it. As we we looked forward to the beginning of the year, even knowing that I wasn't going to be here for the first few weeks, I wanted to do a series that would speak in to our thought life. Because what I've noticed is that all of the change that God has done in my own life has, has begun not with him magically just fixing everything, but it's just, it started, he always starts with a, a seed inside of me. It begins as a, just a belief that, you know what, I'm going to believe what God has said. And, and, and this has happened, whether it's with my struggle with depression, any struggle that I've had with, with uh, sins and habits that I thought I would never be able to break, to even some more superficial things. In fact, I want to uh, just highlight the latest struggle that over the last few years that I've been in, and I want you to see how this series is really a reflection of the same process that's gone on in my life. You see, the first week Megan preached about prayer. She did a great job, and prayer really is where it starts, is, is asking God to, to give us that belief to speak in. And then Tafadzwa preached about self-awareness. Another, another word for self-awareness is truth, honesty, just being honest with yourself. And last week, Phil talked about strongholds and about speaking truth into strongholds. And so, This process has actually impacted my life. And so the last two weeks of this series, I'm just going to kind of apply how to uh, um, give you some tools of how to apply this in our life. 
a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go on a vacation with my wife and my brother and sister-in-laws and sisters and brothers-in-law. Yeah, law is singular, the sisters and plurals. Anyway, we went to San Diego, and as we went to San Diego, uh, we had a great time. And then I want to I show you a picture that really impacted my life, okay? This was an Instagram picture um, that afterwards, I got back and I looked at this picture. This picture may look normal to you. This is uh, a few years ago, but this is an Instagram, so there's a filter on this. Go ahead and throw up the other picture, okay? I saw this picture, and to you, it might be like, hey, it's no big deal. It, um, Clayton's was a restaurant, and my son's name is Clayton, so we got this picture. But as I was looking at it, and I was going to post it on Instagram, I began to realize, you know what? I'm about twice as wide as I actually, in my mind, thought that I am. And in fact, I, I began to look at this, and I began to think, you know what? I really, I'm wearing these brown shorts. I'm wearing this, I'm like, I just, what am I, what was I thinking when I went? I, I looked at this, and I thought, you know, this is not the way... I pictured myself in my mind. In my mind, I, had, uh, I was a little more felt. I was a little more uh, just together. I didn't realize that my, my, I don't know, that I just kind of threw this together. And so this really started a process. Now, to you, this might not be a big deal, but maybe you've had a moment where you just look at a picture of yourself and you're like, wait a second, that's really me. And so uh, this happened uh, uh, about three years ago. And so I just began to, to say, you know what? I want, I want to change. I want to lose some weight. I want, to, I want to change some things about myself. But over the next year, I started three or four different types of diets. I tried to, to change some routines. And none of them, none of them stuck. I, I was still struggling with my weight. I was, I was not changing any of the other routines that I wanted. And so... Uh, a few years ago as a church, we did what we called a campaign, and we decided to set some goals together. We called it the Beyond Campaign, and one of the things we did is challenged every person to get a, a personal goal, set a personal goal, and then we were going to help each other, hold each other accountable. And my goal was to lose weight. Specifically, I was 230 pounds at the time. I wanted to weigh 200 pounds and just be what would be considered a little more healthy for somebody, my height, my size. And so... We started in the first six months of leading our church through this campaign. I, I came home from our mission trip about six months in, and I stepped on the scale. And my journey from 230 to 200 had led me to 240 when I stepped on that scale. I had gained 10 pounds after leading our church to, to see momentum in our lives, after seeing uh, people in our church have success. And I realized, you know what? I'm leading in the wrong direction when it comes to myself. And... and I began to, to really pray, and that's really where it started. I came back, and I, I, I had this moment where I just started praying to the Lord, God, I obviously cannot change. I obviously want to see, see change in my life. I have tried to do it myself. I have tried, I have tried. God, I need help, because I really had a burden to lead well in our church. I mean, if I am the only one that doesn't achieve what I've, I've challenged you guys to do, that doesn't say a lot for my leadership. And so I just began to pray, and then I began to do exactly what Tafads would talk about. I, I tried to work on being self-aware, and I actually took this self-awareness inventory. And I began to, to look at uh, how I think, some of my thoughts, and I realized that I'm different than a lot of people, okay? I don't know if y'all have realized that. Have y'all realized that? I'm a little different. <laughs> 
Now, this is the, the difference, for example, between me and my wife and most people, okay? If my wife uh, looks in the mirror, her tendency is to say, um, I don't like what I see. I, I, I wish I could be better. Uh, some of you may go in the mirror and you think, oh, I wish I was skinnier. I wish I was, I'm the opposite. I go in front of the mirror and I could have, you know, a roll hanging. I'll be like, oh, it's not that bad. It looks pretty good today. And in fact, I have this, if I, I'm just being honest with you, that I have this tendency to not go towards people pleasing, but to go more towards me pleasing, more towards, you know what? I'm not that bad. In fact, in my mind, I have this picture of 18-year-old Joel who, who was in pretty good shape. And if you were to ask me, can you run, uh, you know, three miles, how good a shape? I'd be like, yeah, I used to run three miles in college all the time. That was 20-something years ago. But in my mind, I'm still there. I'm still capable. Now, I had this moment in this self-reflection where I realized, you know what? I am not the same person that I think I am, that I'm lying to myself. And so I began to just really try to get to the root of where, where my, my thinking has gone wrong. And I realized in almost every area of my life, I'm lazy. And I realized that, that the struggle I had, I didn't even realize I had, but as this self-awareness that I'm lazy. And not only was it, was it a physical laziness, I began to, to realize, you know what? Even in my leadership, I've been lazy. Even in my spiritual life, I've been lazy. And so just like Phil talked about last week, I identified this stronghold, this, this type of thinking that was crippling me. And, and I was seeing it in my weight, but then I began to examine. I was seeing it also in my spiritual life. I was beginning to see it in my marriage. I was seeing it in a lot of places that I just hadn't thought. It's the same problem. I was lazy. And it's at that moment that I, I decided, you know what? I'm going to change by the power of God. And I began to pray. And, and we're in this campaign. And so I, I made some decisions, and I began to cover those things in prayer. I told the, the people that were praying for me, um, in fact, it was Julie Zottendam was, was my coach in that campaign, and she began to, to do a great job of reaching out. And I made some, some little changes. The first thing I did is I realized back, if, uh, I don't want that picture back up by any means, but I realized that I had a lazy, I was lazy in the way that, no, that's my son back there. I'm, I'm, it's a dangerous thing to have him back there. I realized, though, that... Uh, that my appearance, that I'd always just shaved my head. That's how I would, I would never get a haircut. I just would take a razor and, and I, would, I would shave my head. I would never think about my appearance. I wore a t-shirt every day and I wore like cargo pants or sloppy uh, shorts just to be comfortable. And I was always comfortable trying to be comfortable. Um, and I just had told myself that's what comfortable people do. They wear uh, sloppy, sloppy, I don't know. And, and I, I began to realize I eat whatever I want. I, I never worked out. All of these things. And so... The first thing I did is a little simple thing, and it's a superficial thing. It's not a spiritual thing. But I told my wife, I think I want to get a haircut to where I actually need to do my hair every day. And, and so she actually, we had the budget for this, and I went and got a fancy haircut a few years ago. And I, I went in, and I just said, hey, I want any haircut that doesn't look like this, basically. And I said, I, and the, it was a stylist. It wasn't a barber. It wasn't, I mean, it was somewhere where you, you know, you had to have an appointment to get there. And that was new for me. And, and, and so she, she gave me this haircut and I was like, you know what? I feel a little different. And then I went and I, uh, I joined Weight Watchers. And I said, you know what? Rather than setting a goal of how much weight I'm going to lose, I really want to attack this laziness. So my goal was to stay on Weight Watchers for an entire year and to track everything, even if, uh, if I screwed up with my diet, I was still going to do the program. And then I decided to, 
to tweak some other things. I said, you know what, I, I want to start working on uh, being a better preacher. And I actually spent a day, a week, either reading a book or, or, or trying to review my messages to see if I could get better. I started committing to read every day so that I would learn. And just these little things. And then I, I said, you know what, I'm lazy. I need to work out as well. And Phil Collins, I don't know if I've told you this. I started jujitsu. Have I mentioned that to you? No, I've never heard. No, okay. <laughs> Anytime I say that word in this, I, st I started martial arts as well. And every once in a while, I mention it in a sermon, and Phil likes to remind me, oh, really? That's new. Um, but I did. I found a way to work out that I enjoyed working out. And I had all of these things that, that I, I, these decisions that weren't attacking the symptom, they were, they were really attacking the, the fundamental stronghold that I had identified. I was lazy. And what I want to do is just to show you that all that we've preached on uh, happened in my life. It's happened not just in, in, in these superficial things, which it's not really superficial. Laziness is slothful. If you go and you look up the word sluggard, just do a Google search for Bible verse sluggard, and you'll see that the sluggard is a dangerous thing. A sluggard will lead to death. And over and over again in Proverbs, we, we see that this is a serious sin that I was neglecting. It's a stronghold I realized was in my life. So what I want to do today is I just want to really go into application mode so that hopefully in your life, if you've come here feeling as if you'll never change, feeling as if you've got a struggle that has, has consumed you and you don't have the strength, I want to show you how not by your strength, but by the power of Christ, we actually can find victory. And, and, and God is consistently doing this in my life. Now, I want us to, to begin with our theme verse, which we've heard every single week. It's, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. And as I read this, there's more to this. As I read this, I want you to think about your life if you are a Christ follower. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, hopefully this is a glimpse of what it might be like if you follow Christ. Or maybe it'll give you a glimpse into how a Christian thinks. But this is what Paul is reminding us who we are. And I wanted to, to put that out there first because some of us are always hoping for a revival and we're never living in revival. But Paul reminds us we're always in revival when we are in Christ, that it's, it's happening even as in, our, in our struggles, there are things happening. And so Paul says, if you're in Christ, you might be walking in the flesh. That means you might be walking in the world. You might be walking with, in the midst of worldly problems, but really we are not waging war according to the flesh. My, I might be around a whole bunch of things bombarding me, but that's really not my problem. It, it's more than just in the flesh. What Paul says is the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to de destroy strongholds. So Paul says, listen, if you are in Christ, if you are following Christ, and you are still struggling with the same things that you've been struggling your whole life, listen, you're forgetting that you have a divine power, the same power that can raise Christ from the dead, that can raise Lazarus from the dead, is in you, and it has the power to destroy your stronghold. Whether it's laziness, whether it's lust, whether it's financial greed, whether it's selfishness, whether, whether it's this people pleasing and, and you're never good enough, all of these things can be destroyed and you are never powerless, Paul says. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. He's saying here, we don't live in doubts. Now, you may have doubts uh, in God and, and, and what God can do in your life. That's normal. But we don't live there. 
Instead, we, we destroy the arguments and the lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. We don't live in doubt. We work through our doubts. We persevere. And then he says, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. I want you to think about this. Every thought captive. This is the, the mentality as I was reading this over and over again. I started thinking about taking captive. In fact, that, uh, in, in Romans chapter 7, that same word is taking prisoner. I want you to think about every thought that comes through your mind and just being a cowboy, cowgirl, and, and, and you got your lasso and every thought, you just, you just grab that thought. And then you run over to that thought and you tie that thought down, just like a cowboy would do uh, with, with a, the, the calf and, and ties it down. And every single one, you see another one, every thought, we're running over and we take it captive. That's this mentality that there's no, there's no thought for a Christian that's just running loose in our mind. Every thought is being taken captive. And then look at this, being ready to punish every disobedience. This is important. Not ready to punish ourselves, but punish the disobedience. This is where Christians go wrong. We are not guilt. We are not covered in guilt as Christ's followers. We sin, and when we have sin, our, our, what we tend to do is the same things our, our parents do or we do our kids is we punish them when they do wrong because we want to correct them. But we, we, we still love our kids. Our kids are not condemned, and sometimes we kind of take this mentality into our spiritual thing that, that I need to be punished because of this, but we punish the disobedience. We don't punish ourselves. We don't punish. We are free in Christ. We have been freed because of Christ. You are forgiven. You are for, redeemed all over God's word. We have this promise. And so the idea here is anytime that I, I rope my little, my little calf, anytime I rope this thought, and I've got it tied and I've got it bound. And then I can say, you know what? That's a disobedient thought. I need to punish that thought. I need to discipline that thought. I need to make sure that thought is right. I need to actively be, be making sure that every thought that comes through my mind has been taken captive and has been disciplined so that my obedience can be complete. And notice it says when. It's not yet. And on this side of heaven, I will never have a complete obedience. I will always struggle with disobedience, with sin. But this mindset that we have here is such a powerful mindset. Now, I want to take you to a scripture today that I think can really help us find this freedom. of How do we do this? How do we take our thoughts captive? How do we punish the disobedient thought and not ourselves? How do we do this? Well, this is a scripture that is powerful because this is written by Paul the Apostle when he's in prison. This is the end of his letter to the Philippians or to Philippi where he started churches. This is what he said. He's written this letter that's joyful and he's in chains. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 28, you'll see this is when Paul was in Philippi that he's writing. And he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, if you just read that verse, you're like, that's really not that impressive. But you understand, this is a guy in chains with a joyful letter saying, listen, 
Here's what we're going to do, even when we're suffering, even when we're in chains, is we are going to think about these things. We're going to think about the honorable, the just, the pure, the lovely, the commendable, anything that's excellent or anything worthy of praise. That's where we're going to think, our minds. That's where we are going to think and focus. Now, this word, logizomai, means to dwell or to think. It says, think on these things. But some of the translations will even translate this word to dwell. And so I think that's a helpful thought when it comes to the mindset of what Paul is saying. Whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell in these things. Live there. Live with your thoughts constantly on the things that are positive and lead us towards a Christ-like mentality. We want to live there. We want to make sure that that is where we are in Christ. We are living there. We are living with commendable thoughts. We are living with healthy thoughts. Because one of the, the main ideas we've had in this series is that your, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And if you are living in an unhealthy thought life, you are moving in the direction of unhealthiness, and you're moving away from a godly mindset. You're moving away from freedom. And so it is important that we learn how to live with a mindset that is commendable, that is lovely, that is pure and worthy of God's praise. And so I want to give you just a glimpse today of how I do this in my own life and, and understand that of all the things I talked about earlier that real, realizing this stronghold of laziness had on my life, I realized that I could make these little decisions, I could join Weight Watchers, I could start working out, I could do all these things, but the battle wasn't in making the choice. The battle was every single day I have to decide to do something that I've never been able to do, that Joel on his own has never been able to do. And that's where looking at, at those scriptures, that idea of dwelling there, of think on these things. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, right after that one, Paul actually says, hey, practice these things as you see me doing them. He's actually saying, hey, listen, I'm in chains and I'm dwelling on the positive things. I'm dwelling on the godly things. I'm dwelling in Christ and suffering well and with joy, even as I'm in here in chains. He says, practice these things. And so another word for dwell is to think, and I would even say to focus. And so to what, today what I want to give you is a tool that will change your daily battle in your life. I believe this with all my heart. And instead of the word think on these things or dwell in these things, we're going to use a word that some of you are going to, to get a little, uh, 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 a little hesitant about. Meditate on these things. You have to meditate on these things. You have to focus your mind on the things of God. And this is a practice that many of us are uncomfortable because we're Christians. We don't sit on mountains going, oh, right? And we're not trying to empty our minds. In fact, the one thing Paul says is we're not emptying our minds. We're filling our minds with the things of God. 
So it's quite different than this new age idea of becoming one with the universe and just getting rid of all of our cares. What we need to do, though, is realize how much control we have over the thoughts that God has given us, how much, how much potential we have to focus our thoughts. You know, this uh, week, um, we had a, a, an unusual opportunity to minister to a family whose son had taken their life. And in this church, we were... Uh, we had a, a memorial service, and it was, it was a hard service. But as I, I heard the sto- story, and I knew this boy, and, I, and I'd had conversations with him, and I knew the struggles he had, I was put back into that same place in my own life when I struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts, even as a, as a teenager. And, and it made me think as I was preparing this, man, how, how helpful would it have been if I would have had that, that knowledge, the experience to know that my thoughts are not always the true thoughts, that sometimes my thoughts are going in the wrong direction and they're leading me in a wrong direction. I think this is such a big idea. The Bible tells us that in 16 times, just in the Psalms alone, we have to meditate on God's word. Uh, In Psalms 119, it says, I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your way. Psalms 143 says, I remember the days of old. I will meditate on all that you have done. I will ponder the works of your hands over and over again. We are given this command of, listen, we must meditate. We must focus our lives on the thoughts of God. And this is a, a battle that is not of the flesh. This is a, a spiritual battle you will play, that plays out in your mind. And so the question is today, how do I train my mind? How do I train my mind to focus on the spiritual things of God, to focus and have the mind of Christ. And I'm going to give you today um, kind of a method that I use and that has, has been helpful for me. And it's a very simple idea, but every single day I train my mind through meditation. And when I say meditating, I mean I think of it as an exercise as important as any physical exercise I do, that I've got to train my mind to focus on the things of God. The first thing that I do is I zoom out. I zoom out. And, and the reason this is, is so crucial is because, uh, have you ever been on uh, Google Maps or, or a map program and you, you find yourself way far away from wherever you actually want to be? You'll never find, you don't even know the direction you need to go until you zoom out. You've got to get out of the, the wrong place before you can zoom into the right place. And so many of us have a wrong mindset that you don't know is a wrong mindset. I never knew that laziness was my problem. Some of you might have, but, but I didn't know it. I didn't know it. And so I had thoughts in my mind of, you know, it's okay. I'm not that, you know, I look pretty. You know, all these thoughts, but I had, I had these things that were telling me false truths. In fact, that's a, it's not even a word. It'd be lies. And so we hear things like, I'll never be able to change. I'll always be in debt. I'll never be good enough. I'll never have a relationship. I'll never have, I'll never be. It's not possible for me. And you've got to understand these are lies that are not the truth. And if you can't zoom out from them, you'll never be able to zoom in to where God wants you to zoom in. So how do you zoom out? I like to think of it as uh, get out of your own movie. That's the way I think about it. A few months ago, uh, my son wanted to go with some friends to see a horror movie, to see the movie Halloween. 
okay? Now, I, and when I was a teenager, I used to go see horror movies all the time, okay? That might tell you a lot about me. In fact, we saw so many horror movies. There was this place called Blockbuster that you could rent horror movies. Uh, you, you kids, um, I, I, I rented all the movies. My friends, we rented all the movies at Blockbuster. They brought out a box of, of horror movies that were so bad they wouldn't put them on the shelves. Not bad as in scary, as in horribly made. And, and they, let, they rented them to us for free. We could just take these movies for free. And we watched horror movies all the time. But when my son said, hey, I want to go see a horror movie, I was like, I haven't seen a horror movie in a long time. This, I hope I don't get scared in front of him. And so I did something interesting. I, I wanted to go see it before, with, uh, before I saw it with him, make sure it was okay, because I'm a good parent. Um, so Chase Green and I, back there, he's at the sound booth. Chase took me, uh, we went and said, when I say took me, he paid. So technically, yeah, he took me. And I know, right? So I had this fear, though, as I'm going into the movie of, oh my gosh, what if... What if I get scared in the movie and chases with me? What if Chase sees me, John? And then I have this, what if it's so scary, I'm in a fetal position holding Chase. You know, I have this, what if, what if Chase, what's he going to think of me? And so I want to give you a trick, all you young, young guys, that maybe you're going on a date with uh, a pretty girl and, and, and you don't want to see it, but you got to take her to see the scary movie. Here's what you do. You're watching the movie and you feel your heart start fluttering. You feel yourself like, engrossed in it, and you just don't know. You don't even want to look, but you know you've got to look because Chase is sitting next to you, so you just go, okay, I'm doing it. here's what you do. You zoom out. You look at the screen, and you, and you just begin to, to, this is what you would do. I'm not saying I did this. I'm just saying hypothetically you could do this. You zoom out, right? You zoom out, and you say, you know what? Right now, Joel is sitting watching a movie. He's watching Jamie Lee Curtis, who negotiated a salary. She's now thinking about her next movie. She's not even thinking about this movie anymore. And Mike, whoever Michael Myers was, that guy, I wonder what he's doing right now. And you begin to just zoom out and, and get into the reality. That guy who just had his head turned into a jack-o'-lantern, I bet he's in another movie right now. I bet he didn't even feel it. I bet that's not even true. In fact, I wonder how much he got paid to have his head turned into a jack-o'-lantern. All of those things. But here's what happens. You zoom out and you realize... You know, my heart was, was fearful. My heart was thumping. And, and when, I, when I get into reality and I take an inventory of where I'm at and what's going on, I realize I'm not near as petrified as I was. In fact, I realize I'm in control of, of, of my heart and I'm in control of my emotions, even in this score, scary movie, that this movie that I'm in is not controlling me. I have, even though it's scary and most people would say, man, how, how can you sit through a movie like that? You have the power and, and, and the... Uh, the strength to actually say, I'm going to zoom out and I'm not going to be engrossed in this movie. What most of us never realize is your life is the exact same thing. That all of us spend our entire lives in our movies, being torn this way and that way by emotions, being having every single feeling uh, just rip us to shreds and thinking all these thoughts, and we never take them captive. We never zoom out and say, you know what? That's not even a true thought. We never zoom out and say, that's not even reality. We never zoom out. The practice of, of, of meditating on God's word is the practice of being able to zoom out and zoom in. Here's what I do every single morning, and this might seem a little weird to you. In fact, I'm a, you might even try it right now, but I, I just want to at least prove a point. Every single morning, uh, one of the things I'll do is I'll start breathing, and I'll just sit by myself, and I'll breathe, and I breathe in, and I breathe out, and my goal is to breathe 20 times, in and out, and focus only on my breaths, because here's what happens. I'll be sitting there, and the first thing I'll begin to think is, how do I feel? And I'll think, you know what? 
Am I relaxed? And as soon as I ask myself, am I relaxed? I'll, real, I'll feel my body get more relaxed because I'll realize I wasn't relaxed. I'll sit there and I'll think, uh, you know what, what am I doing today? And I'll have all these thoughts and then it'll dawn on me. I'm supposed to be focusing on my breaths, on, on breathing. I'm trying to get to 20 breaths and I'll just be able to let whatever that thought is go for, for 10 seconds and not worry about what I'm, what I'm gonna do today, what happened to me yesterday. And for just this 30 second or this one minute, I'll focus on getting my mind on what I'm telling it to go to. And I'll let every thought go away. Every single thought, even though no matter how important I think that thought is, I let that thought go away and I focus on my breathing. And as soon as I'm done, as soon as I'm done, I realize, you know what? I have control on my focus. You have to be able to zoom out and you have to realize all your emotions, all of the things might be based on a lie. And you'll never be able to focus in on where God wants you if you can't take yourself out of your movie and realize you have some choices in how you react to the things coming at you today. The next thing that I do is I read through some, scripture, some scriptures. I have a list, and I've gotten these from pastors. In fact, one of the pastors that, that influenced me a lot in this was a pastor named Craig Rochelle. He, he uh, had a list, and mine is very similar. Mine's a little different. Uh, but he, he got into the practice of reading scripture every single day, speaking to. And for me, a lot of mine are um, geared towards my strongholds. So after I've, I've, I've said to myself, I'm in control of my thoughts today, I begin to zoom back in. And that's the second thing. I got to make sure I get my points here. I zoom back in. I zoom back in on God's word. I take myself out of my movie, out of the bad thoughts, out of those thoughts that say life is always bad for me, out of the thoughts that say, you know what, I'm always going to struggle with this. I'm always going to be uh, locked in to this, uh, this battle with uh, lust or whatever it is. I'll never be able to catch a break. Whatever your stronghold is, I, I zoom out of that, and then I begin to just read some, strong, some, some of these truths, like Phil said last week. Here's what I read. I am not what I have. I'm not what I buy, my identities in Christ. That's Luke chapter 12, verse 15. By God's power, I can change. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. That's 1 John uh, 4, 4, and I would encourage every one of you to read that. It says, he who is in you is stronger than he who is in the world. I repeat that every single day. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Ephesians 5, 25, I love my wife. I will lay my life down for her. Uh, Ephesians 6, 4, I will love my children towards Christ. I will do everything I can to connect them with the best that God has for them. I will uh, respond and not react to them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 7, I love people and I believe the best about others. Christ says, turn the other cheek. Paul says, why not just be wronged by people? I will believe the best even if it hurts me. Um, I'm disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I have a purpose, a direction, a meaning in life. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I can suffer well. I will rejoice in suffering because Christ suffered for me. This is all over the New Testament. It's the idea that we are going to face suffering. Romans 8, 17. Uh, the, the world will be different because of me. It will be better because I serve Jesus today. That is the great commission. Every single day, and I don't read them all, but if, but if I identify a stronghold, I will zoom in on that stronghold and I will proclaim truth over it every single day. So this is what my morning looks like, by the way. My morning looks like me waking up and the first thing I do is I put in earphones and I open my Bible app and I hit my, I have a Bible reading plan and I just hit play because 
it's not laziness. I'm an audible learner. And so I just, what I do, that's what I tell myself. So what I do is I, let the, I listen to my Bible readings. And then I go make myself a cup of coffee while it's reading. Uh, whatever I got to do, I let the Bible and I just focus. I try to listen to what, what the Bible is telling me today. And, and I sit down and with that with my cup of coffee and I just listen to the Bible. And I go through my Bible readings. And then I take 20 breaths alone, knowing my kids are going to get up in a few minutes and get them to school and it's, chaos is about to break out. And I, and I just focus and I decide I am in control of my thoughts today. And then I begin to, to read these scriptures and have truth spoken into my life. And I do this almost every single day. And I will identify my strongholds for that day. And I will prepare myself and my mind with scripture. And then I just, in, in prayer, I don't have a big thing. I will ask God, hey, give me the names of what I need to pray for today. And I'll just begin to pray. And it usually starts with my kids knowing they're going to wake up. I'll pray for my wife, but then some of you come into my mind, and I'll just randomly pray for you. If you've ever got a random prayer or a random text from me, hey, I prayed for you, it's because in my prayer time, God puts you on my heart. God might put something that's coming up that day on my heart, and I'll just spend time in prayer, but it's not something that I have to get done. I just spend time listening to the Lord. What do I need to be praying for? And that's it, and it takes about five minutes, if that. But every single day, I have to begin training my mind. And what I want you to hear is this is the same as exercise. This is the same as any other discipline in my life. I have to train my mind. If I don't train my mind and control my thoughts, my thoughts will go everywhere. I'll be living in a movie and never even realize that the thoughts I have are not the thoughts that God have for me and that my life is moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts. My life might be moving against God's will for me and I don't even know it. And so, I don't want you to think, oh, i got to do Joel's routine. But what I want you to think is, have I trained my mind to follow Christ's truth? Or am I being tossed and thrown? When a thought comes in, do I, do I wrangle it down and do I discipline it? Or do I just see the chaos in my life and discipline myself because, because I'm not good enough and buy back into the lies that have got me here? My hope for is that we will begin to live in revival and not just hope for it and realize it can start today. Now, here's how I want to end this message. I'm going to invite the band up right now. The band come up. And what we're going to do today is I realize that there are some of us in here that are not confident in their scripture readings or in your memorization. You don't know, maybe you don't know where the... Bible verse is that could speak to whatever you're dealing with. And so there's some of us that maybe you don't even know where to begin when you speak truth into you. And so I want us to start off with this mentality that God is good. Amen? God is good. And that whatever you're facing right now is not the person that God has for you. God is doing something in your life you may not be able to see. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go into a time of worship. But as we worship, I'm going to proclaim some truths over you. I'm going to just read some truths and I'm going to hopefully encourage you. I want to invite you right now to just stand up. Every one of us stand up. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say a word of prayer, but then I'm just going to read who the Bible says you are. And for some of you, you may be struggling right now and think, you know what? I I can't see it. I feel like I am weak. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like God will never work in my life the way I want him to. 
So for some of you, maybe you just pray about that stronghold and you just receive the words that I'm saying as God's word over you today. Maybe some of you are doing pretty well, but you need to be encouraged and you need to, to, to begin to focus just on a few things. Maybe you, instead of closing your eyes, maybe you just prepare your heart to worship and you just have a gratitude come over you as you realize who God says you are. But I want us to leave out of here realizing that we have the ability, God has given us the ability to control our thoughts and, and, to, and to have the power to choose to let his power change our life. And it is not our power, it is his. But that power covers us. Let's pray. Lord, in this moment, I pray for everyone in this room who is discouraged, who has had a life of trying to make themselves better and always falling back. Maybe they're just tried to lose weight, maybe they've tried to overcome a, a sin, whether that sin is a, a sin of lust or pornography or of hatred of themselves. Maybe it's like me, it was pride and laziness. Lord, anyone who's ever been in here and, and been in an environment where they grew up having people tell them they weren't good enough, and eventually they bought that as the truth. Anyone in here who has a stronghold, Lord, that is keeping them bound and chained, let us have a mind of Christ like Paul, who even, even when he was bound, could have joy in Christ and focus his mind and move his life in the direction you would have him move. Lord, let us die to ourselves and let our minds be given to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. As you guys worship, let me just read who you are. The Bible says that you are strong and mighty that you have the same power in you that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of you. You are a weapon of righteousness in a dark world. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are not who you say you are. You are who God says you are. He says you are forgiven. He says you're redeemed. He says you are free. You are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons you fight with are not weapons of this world. You have a divine power to demolish strongholds. You have the mind of Christ directing your thoughts. You have the word of God guiding your steps. You demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You take your thoughts captive. You make them obedient to Christ. Worry is not your master. You trust in God. His peace guards your heart, guards your mind, guards your soul in Christ Jesus. Your God has not given you to a spirit of fear or timidity, but a power. You're of a power through the spirit of love and a sound mind. The Lord is your helper. You will not be afraid. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom by God's light. You are empowered, you are chosen, you are called, you are the masterpiece of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared for you in advance. Your God will bless you abundantly so that in all things, in all times, you have everything you need to abound in every good work. Your God is for you, God is with you, and no weapon formed against you will prosper. 
Nothing can separate you from God's love. Not death, not demons, not present, not past, not the power of the earth will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. You are who God says you are. You are who God says you are.